want freedom, we want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Full employment for our people. We want housing fit, decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. We want all black men to be exempt from military service. We want decent education for our black people in our community. We want an end to the robbery by the white racist businessmen of black people and black people in their, in their community. We want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. We want all black men held in county, state, federal jails and prisons to be released because they have not had a fair trial because they've been tried by all white juries and that's just like being tried in Germany being a Jew. The trial will be tried by members of their peers. We want housing, we want clothing, we want education, we want justice, and we want Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Act Protect Engage Academy podcast. We are live. I'm your host, Mr. Chase H. I'm happy you guys can join us today. TGIF, I hope you had a great week. I hope you guys had a great Friday. And I hope that you guys have some weekend plans, all right? I'm going to be shooting this weekend. I have a date with my wife on Saturday, so it's going to be a good weekend. Today's episode is going to be about the Black Panther Party's 10-point program, all right? So we talked a lot about the lead-up to the formation of the party. We talked about the formation of the party. Now we're going to talk about what the party stood for, okay? Buckle up. It's going to be a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. I know I loved researching for it. Ape. Figured I'd give you guys a little smooth beat for the weekend. Yeah. You gotta mellow out, guys. It's been a hard week. It's been a long week. Lord knows we all worked hard. Putting food on the table for our families. Now we gotta mellow out. Alright. So. We're back with another episode. And... We are still talking about my heroes. Some of my heroes, Bobby Seale and Huey P. Newton, Eldridge Cleaver, Kathleen Cleaver. We're talking about the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. All right, housekeeping. So turn on your post notifications. And if you do, right, you guys will be hanging out watching the NBA on TNT, all of a sudden, you might hear a bing if you guys hear that. And then you look on your smartphone and you see a banner on cross uh, the top of the screen and you see a.p.e academy, you know there might be a new podcast streaming so you won't miss it. 
Also, if you subscribe to follow our podcast on whatever platform you guys are using, we're on all platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, CastBox Podcast, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, etc., 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 etc. So, just subscribe, okay? You guys will know all the new epta- all all the new updates that we have, okay? Um, what else can I say? Oh yeah, follow us on social media: Instagram at Ape Academy Podcast, Twitter at a underscore defensive, Facebook Ape Defensive Solutions. Okay, if you have a second. It would be great if you can give us a five-star rating, but be honest because I do look at the ratings and I do use it to make some adjustments, all right? It's really important to be honest. Also, write a review. That would be even better, man. We're trying to move up the rankings. We really want to break into the mainstream, all right? I want to spread Ape's message as far as we can. Shout out to all of our listeners both domestically and internationally, especially, especially to folks far, far away. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. All right, so today's podcast is entitled Organized Rage, the Panthers' 10-point program. We have three sources, Black Against Empire by Joshua Bloom and Waldo E. Martin Jr., Revolutionary Suicide, by Huey P. Newton. That's his autobiography. I suggest you guys buy it. And To Die for the People is a, it's a uh, kind of collection of his essays and his speeches, also by Huey P. Newton. Okay? So we got primary sources. We also got a good secondary source. All right. So where do we begin? We begin with Huey's seminal essay on the correct handling of a revolution. That's one of his best essays, one of his most well-known essays. In this essay, Huey asserts the role of the Black Panther Party for self-defense as the, quote, vanguard party, the legitimate representative of the black community in a struggle for black power. Huey borrows some points from RAM, remember RAM, the Revolutionary Action Movement, and others like Mao Zedong in China, and the Chinese Revolution, all right? The difference between Ram, Mao Zedong, and Huey were in the methods of how, how the revolution needs to be conducted. In Huey's mind, the only way to launch a powerful revolution that looks to achieve long-lasting changes must be above ground. The revolution must be televised. You guys heard that song, right? That famous song, The Revolution Won't Be Televised. To Huey, in order to create lasting change, the revolution needs to be televised. It needs to be above ground, right? It needs to be visible in order to earn the respect and the trust of the people that it claims to be helping. That's key. The revolutionary action movement They assume this role as an underground party, right? That's the difference. The Black Panther Party for Self-Defense was above ground. RAM was underground. So, Huey believed that to be a true vanguard party, 
the party must be completely legitimate, therefore above ground. Being above ground guarantees the legitimacy of the movement. Sneaking around, whispering in the night, in the middle of the night, passing out flyers from the shadows does not help the people in the community feel confident in the message of the Revolutionary Vanguard Party. Quote, the sleeping masses must be bombarded with the correct approach to struggle and the party must use all means available to get this information across to the masses. In order to do so, the masses must know that the party exists. A vanguard party, meaning, you know, the leading party, a vanguard party is never underground, in the beginning at least. That would limit its effectiveness and educational goals. How can you teach people if the people do not know and respect you, end quote. That's a great question. This is an important point to understand because the goal of the Panthers was first and foremost to protect the black community. You can't claim to represent people who don't even know who you are, right? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, we represent the people. Who are you? Like, <laughs> I've never even seen you in my life, right? Therefore, Huey and Bobby Seale created the 10-point program for the party. The mission of the Panthers was explained through a list of demands. Demands that the common man and woman could understand and relate to. These demands spoke to the residents of the urban ghettos, no matter what area of the country they lived in. The platform is still relevant today. Some of the things they demanding they demanded we're still demanding in 2022. The platform is universal, it's timeless, and it's powerful. The founders of the Black Panther Party knew that the black community would only respect the party if the people believed that the party's main concern was their needs and their interests. Newton sought to organize the rage of the ghetto into a military force, but also to assert its role in the vanguard of black power. So he wanted to take the rage that black folks in the ghetto felt, turn it into power, and do this through the Black Panther Party, right? That was the goal. He did this by championing solutions to the pressing needs of the black community, decent housing, employment, education, and freedom. Starting with the second issue of the Black Panther newspaper on May 15, 1967, every one of the newspaper's 537 issues contained the party's 10-point platform and program titled, quote, What We Want Now, What, what We Believe. The platform emphasized the party's commitment to advancing a revolution that addressed the needs and interests of the black community. The 10-point program showed that the Black Panther Party was much more than just a group of armed black militants. Much, much more. Quote, the party was not just about armed action. It was the legitimate voice of black people. And as such, it intended to take care of the broad range of the community's needs. 
the platform drew heavily, right, heavily from the 10-point program that Malcolm X created for Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. So remember, guys, remember when I said Malcolm X was one of Huey's idols, right? He read everything about Malcolm X. Huey and Bobby read Malcolm X extensively. He was actually the hero to a lot of the early black power revolutionaries, all right? So the 10-point program, it drew from Malcolm X's Nation of Islam, and they published a 10-point program in August of 1963, all right? Malcolm X's 10-point program was entitled What We Muslims Want, all right? Now, I'm going to go over it right now. Number one, we want freedom. We want a full and complete freedom. We want territory to establish a separate state. We want freedom for all believers of Islam now held in federal prisons. We want freedom for all black men and women now under death sentence in innumerable prisons in the North as well as the South. We want an immediate end to the police brutality and mob attacks against the so-called Negro throughout the United States. We demand not only equal justice under the laws of the United States, but equal employment opportunities now. We want the government of the United States to exempt our people from all taxation as long as we are deprived of equal justice under the laws of the land. We want all black children educated, taught, and trained by their own teachers. So using this program as a model, the Black Panthers developed their own famous 10-point program, all right? <laughs> and their original 10-point program, it was published in May of 1967, all right? We're about to go through that right now. We're going to take it slow, okay? So May of 1967, this is how the Black Panther Party's original 10-point program read, quote, what we want now, what we believe. To those poor souls who don't know black history, the beliefs and desires of the Black Panther Party for self-defense may seem unreasonable. To black people, the 10 points covered are absolutely essential to survival. We have, we have listened to the riot-producing words, these things take time for 400 years. The Black Panther Party knows what black people want and need. Black unity and self-defense will make these demands a reality. What we want. Number one, we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Two, we want full employment for our people. Three, we want an end to the robbery by the white man of our black community. Four, we want decent housing fit, fit for shelter of human beings. Five, we want education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches our true history and our role in the present day society. Number six, we want all black men to be exempt 
from military service. Number seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. Number eight, we want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails. Nine, we want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in a court by a jury of their peer group or people from their black communities as defined by the Constitution of the United States. 10. We want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, and peace. Now, the second part, what we believe. We believe that black people will not be free until we are able to determine our destiny. We believe that the federal government is responsible and obligated to give every man employment or a guaranteed income. We believe that if the white American businessman will not give full employment, then the means of production should be taken from the businessmen and placed in the community so that the people of the community can organize and employ all of its people and give a high standard of living. Three, we believe that this racist government has robbed us and now we are demanding the overdue debt of 40 acres and two mules. 40 acres and two mules was promised a hundred years ago as retribution for slave labor and mass murder of black people. We will accept the payment in currency, which will be distributed to our many communities. The Germans are now aiding the Jews in Israel for the genocide of the Jewish people. The Germans murdered 6 million Jews. The American racist has taken part in the slaughter of over 50 million black people. Therefore, we feel that this is a modest demand that we make. Four, we believe that if the white landlords will not give decent housing to our black community, then the housing and the land should be made into co uh, cooperatives so that our community with government aid can build and make decent housing for its people. Five, we believe in an educational system that will give to our people a knowledge of self. If a man does not have knowledge of himself and his position in society and the world, then he has little chance to relate to anything else. Six, we believe that black people should not be forced to fight in the military service to defend a racist government that does not protect us. We will not fight and kill each and kill other people of color in the world who, like black people, are being victimized by the white racist government of America. We will protect ourselves from the force and violence of the racist police and the racist military by whatever means necessary. Seven, we believe we can end police brutality in our black community 
by organizing black self-defense groups that are dedicated to defending our black community from race police oppression and brutality. The Second Amendment of the Constitution of the United States gives us a right to bear arms. We therefore believe that all black people should arm themselves for self-defense. That is number seven is my favorite. If you claim to be a self-defense gun person and you don't like the Black Panther Party, then you're not really a Second Amendment person. Because number seven represents everything us Second Amendment advocates stand for. Number eight, we believe that all black people should be released from the many jails and prisons because they have not received a fair and impartial trial. Number nine, we believe that the courts should follow the United States Constitution so that black people will receive fair trials. The 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution gives a man a right to be tried by his peer group. A peer is a person from a similar economic, social, religious, geographical, environmental, historical, and racial background. To do this, the court will be forced to select a jury from the black community from which the black defendant came. We have been and are being tried by all white juries and have no understanding of the quote average reasoning man of the black community. Number 10, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right. In fact, it is their duty. 
to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. Look. Every time I read that, I get moved like that. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's the Black Panthers. I don't think they're known for being eloquent, ideological, intellectual, but they are all those things. Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale are intellectual giants. Intellectual giants. They will stand and they can stand next to any philosopher, any revolutionary, any writer in history. They can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. They used the Declaration of Independence. They used a lot of America's founding documents to formulate a strategy and a platform specifically designed for African Americans. No one had ever done that before. Even Martin Luther King Jr., who was as eloquent of a speaker and as dynamic of a leader as we've ever seen, he never had a distinct 10-point, you know, bullet-pointed program, right? He had many goals, and he achieved many of them. But I don't know of many groups, now you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, that have a literal 10-point program, and then what they do, they don't just write it, they don't just discuss it, they don't just debate it, you know, in cafes and coffee shops. They go out and they do it, right? So that's the 10-point program. That's what they want, and that's what they believe. So there's two parts. To It's actually really a 20-point program, but um, they call them essential for survival. In order for black people to, to survive in white America, they need the Black Panther Party's 10-point program. That's how the party presented it, okay? That was their driving motivation behind uh, composing those points, okay? Um absolutely incredible i hope you guys enjoyed that i tried to be as dramatic as possible Whew. man it's long now wasn't it all right so where we talk where we at man above the 10 point program under the headline minister of defense the black panther newspaper it carried a photo of huey announcing to the world the vanguard party of black power had arrived right the iconic image is still popular among revolutionaries, even in 2022. So have you guys ever seen the famous photo of Huey P. Newton where he's, sitting, he's uh, seated on a throne of like wood, like wicker throne, and he has the beret cocked to the side, and he has like zebra skins that are like on the floor, and he has the, the rifle in one hand and the spear in the other hand? I'm sure you guys have seen it if you guys know anything about the Black Panther Party. If not, just look up on Google. Just Google pictures of Huey P. Newton, and it will pop up. It will be one of the first pictures that pop up, all right? This is a quote. Quote, in the photo, Huey is seated and facing the camera. His forehead, nose, and left cheekbone are well illuminated, whereas the right side of his face is obscured in shadow, capped by the trademark black beret tilted at a precise angle to cover the top of his right ear. His slacks, shoes, and leather jacket are also black. His pressed shirt, light-colored, the standard Black Panther uniform. All right, so 
That is the 10-point program. And remember, it's in two parts, what they want and what they believe. So the, the what we want part is the demands. What are they looking for? What do they want? What are they? What is their goal? Like, what do they want to achieve? What do they want to accomplish? Right. And then backing that up, right, as kind of like reinforcement is the belief system, right? So you got a demand system. You got a bunch of demands, right? And then you got a belief system that supports the demands. In every intellectual movement, well, you know, revolutionary movement, intellectual movement, cultural movement, religious movement. They need those demands, right? You need to set a list of what you're trying to accomplish, and then you need to back that up, whether it be theology, right, for religious movements, uh, for economic movements, it better be some evidence, there better be some numbers, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You get my drift? So that's pretty incredible. All right, guys, we're going to do a quick break, man. That came up on me fast. I'll be back in a flash. Ape. Sounds like elevator music, doesn't it? interlude once again please if you guys can if you haven't already turn on your post notifications subscribe rate us review us let us know how we're doing all right i'm trying to keep the content consistent it's a lot of work but i love it there's nothing i'd rather do i'm trying to contribute in my little way to making this world a little bit of a better place and i feel like if we look back at our history of our heroes of the past we can really change the future Okay, so remember, the Black Panther Party wasn't just a party for black folks, right? Although, obviously, right, the main goal was to protect the urban black community, right, from police brutality, etc., exploitation. But they also needed allies, right? Every group needs allies. No one can completely stand on their own, right? You're just not going to make it out. There's a cold world, and you need people to help you. So the Black Panther Party had to engage the left, right? You know, because conservatives aren't going to be no, aren't they aren't going to be part of this. So they had to engage other left-leaning groups. Okay. So beyond rethinking and rebranding the Panther philosophy in 1967, the Black Panthers forged new crucial alliances with the broader left. All right. Newton was an intellectual and a man of action. He was not an armchair revolutionary. In any sense of the world, right? So that's like an armchair quarterback. Like you're a big talker, but you can't actually do anything. You just talk all day in coffee shops. But you don't actually. You just go home and to, to your fancy rich house, and you don't actually do anything, right? It's called an armchair revolutionary. Newton could feel the pulse of the people. He knew how to confront police. He knew how to push just far enough. He had the innate ability to see the implications of the party's actions and their potential 
for broader political impact. However, right? However, he was not perfect. Huey had a few glaring weaknesses. For one, he was a he was terrible at public relations. Like he was horrible. He had a high pitched voice and he hated public speaking and he got nervous. You could tell if you look at his interviews and his, and his speeches, you can tell he's nervous. He was much too worried about the issues to care about advertising. Newton could envision, act, and organize, but he was not talented at broadcasting the Black Panther Party message to the world. This is where Bobby Seale's unique set of talents took over. So remember, like it's kind of like a good relationship, like a good couple, where someone else is weak, the other person's strong. That's how they were, Bobby and Huey were. The pair were complementary of each other. Both were deep thinkers and highly intelligent, but where Bobby was weak, Huey was strong, and vice versa. Bobby Seale was a much better public speaker and a true savant at organization and logistics. He was the only one who kept Black Panther, the Black Panther's day-to-day -day operations running smoothly. Bobby was as solid as they, can, as they come, a reliable and unwavering leader with principles and integrity. Quote, Seal proved time and again, as he had in Sacramento, that he had great integrity and could stand up without wavering in the face of intense pressure. End quote. Even with Bobby's leadership and organizational skills, the Black Panther still needed a consistent public relations officer. They needed someone who could interact with the media, government officials, and political allies. The perfect man for the job was Eldridge Cleaver, who joined the Black Panthers in 1967. So this is how this started, right? After the Sacramento incident, the Panthers, they were facing a lot of legal challenges, right? They needed to raise bail, and they needed to hire some lawyers. Before Sacramento, the legal challenges had kind of been a low priority. They didn't really get in trouble too much as, you know, as the party, as a party. But now facing and defeating the courts became of vital importance. Although it was 100% legal for the Panthers to enter the state capitol bearing arms. All right, so if you guys don't remember the Sacramento incident, let me explain it real quick because I'm going to be talking about it. So the California state legislature, they had a meeting specifically to pass a law aimed at the Black Panthers, the Mulford Act, right? In California, they made it illegal to carry arms in public, loaded firearms. That was directly at the Black Panther Party. So the Black Panthers heard about this, this uh, assembly session, and they, they pretty much showed up at Sacramento. They barged into the state assembly chambers armed. And although that's legal, they got in a lot of trouble for it. All right, that's it in a nutshell. So... Although it was 100% legal for the Panthers to enter the state capitol bearing arms, a fact that even the state police acknowledged at the time, state officials later charged members of the Black Panther delegation with conspiracy to disrupt the assembly, which was a felony charge. Eldridge Cleaver helped to raise money through his connections as a reporter and staff writer at Ramparts Magazine. So Ramparts was like a really big uh, left-wing paper at the time, and Eldridge was a reporter, a photographer, and a writer. And uh, I would go into the story of, of Eldridge. It's really long. Um, just you know, Google him, Eldridge Cleaver. He has a great. Oh, well, I don't know, a great story. He has a <laughs> he has an interesting story. A very very complex man, a a very um intelligent man, but he he was also deeply flawed. 
Uh, actually, if you want to know about him, YouTube him, and he has some great uh, speeches on there. As the Panthers look to expand their membership, raise money for legal fees, and spread their 10-point program and revolutionary ideology, they developed the Black Panther newspaper with Eldridge Cleaver as a primary consultant. Cleaver's connections were very helpful in this endeavor. So Cleaver, he had a lot of connections in the left. And one of the reasons was when, when he was in prison, um, he he reached out to a bunch of attorneys and he formed a friendship with a lady named Beverly Axelrod, who was a really, really high profile uh, Caucasian uh, female attorney who was a civil rights attorney and had won a lot of big cases for other civil rights leaders. And he started up a friendship with her. They were pen pals. Then they slowly uh, started uh, building a romantic relationship and became lovers. And then they became uh, involved. They were boyfriend and girlfriend. This was really, really radical and rare at the time. Interracial relationships were not common. Um, and uh, so this was kind of a very, very unique situation. And Beverly had a lot of freaking connections in the legal world and the political world uh, on the left. So she was able to really raise a lot of money. Uh, so this is important because the Panthers, they needed allies, right? You cannot stand alone, right? The system is weighed too much against uh, people of color. So you need those allies to help back you up, right? So his connections were proved to be very helpful. The Black Panther newspaper was a key tool of their revolution. And from the beginning, the newspaper was a unique and dynamic voice of the black liberation struggle. Uh, the rank and file members of the party, they actually did most of the work, right? They, they, they did the daily uh, organization, the daily layout, and they wrote a lot of the stuff, right? They, uh, they wrote and they laid out the paper. However, right, in the critical early stages, Cleaver's friends provided important technical support and they helped with editing and publishing. Three days after the Sacramento incident, Huey and Bobby began to work with Cleaver on the second issue of the party's paper, the first full-format edition. They organized the paper at Beverly Axelrod's house, Cleaver's girlfriend and attorney, in San Francisco. The cover featured a woodblock picture of a fat pig with, <laughs> with the headline, quote, Support Your Local Police. In the first full edition, the iconic photo that we talked about earlier of Huey on the wicker throne with the black beret and rifle is featured. So that was featured in the first full edition of the Black Panther magazine. Uh, I keep saying magazine. I've said that multiple times. The Black, pa black Panther newspaper. All right, let's talk about Panthers on college campuses. The Panthers, what they did was they also reached out to students, right? They didn't just talk about uh, talk to politicians and attorneys. They talked to college kids as well. They needed some grassroots support, right? As soon as Bobby Seale was released on bail from his arrest from the Sacramento incident, Peter Camejo of the Young Socialist Alliance at the University of California, Berkeley, he scheduled an on-campus event to set the record straight about the Black Panther Party's political position, right? All the kids had heard about the Black Panther Party. They are all really excited you know, uh, UC Berkeley is a very liberal school. A lot of the California schools are. And, you know, conservatives to this day are still complaining about how liberal colleges and universities used are, you know, how they are, how liberal they are. 
they were just as liberal in the 60s and 70s as they are now. They might have been more liberal back then. All right, so what happened? So Peter, the leader of the Young Socialist Alliance, he organized an event for Bobby to come to and speak to the kids about uh, about the party and where they stood and what you know what they stood for and what they were trying to accomplish, right? So 12 Panthers came on campus on May 10th, 1967, and Bobby was the featured speaker of the event. Okay. During his speech, Seal asked, why don't the cops who patrol our community live in our community? I don't think there would be so much police brutality if they had to go and sleep there. The audience went wild. There were several thousand students and they cheered and they clapped and they, they jumped up and down the whole speech, right? They agreed with everything he was saying. Seal continued, quote, you've been told that the Black Panthers make no bones about hating whites. That is a bold face lie. We don't hate nobody because of color. We hate oppression. That's exactly how he talks. I mean, that's a very, you know, that's kind of a crappy uh, imitation of him, but that's how he talks. He's, he's very, uh, he's an amazing speaker. Seal went on to explain that the Panthers' anti-colonialist uh, policies, he, wants, he goes on to explain how the Panthers are against colonialism and imperialism. Quote, we're, we're going to arm ourselves and protect ourselves from white racist cops. White cops are, are occupying our community like foreign troops. They're there to hurt us and brutalize us. And we got to arm ourselves because they're shooting us up already. End quote. Another student, right, a fellow student with, you know, many of the kids in the crowd, who knew many of the kids in the crowd, Miss Barbara Arthur, she also said, quote, I represent the women's department of the party. We believe that an education system which still teaches and preaches that white is right, black is wrong, is no good. She continued, reminding the crowd of the tragic Denzel Dowell case. Quote, when black men are armed, racist cops are going to take a second thought before harassing a black man. So Denzel Dow was murdered by the police. I talked about it in a previous incident. He was shot in like the back of the head and left on the side of the road for like an hour until the ambulance came. By the time the ambulance came, of course, he had passed away. So this was a tragic case and it really sparked a lot of riots. All right, so the Panthers, remember, they considered themselves the vanguard of the black revolution, the black power struggle. So the vanguard party means the primary representative of the people. So they are the number one big dog, right? They're the big kid on the block, right? They're, they're the, they are the leader. So they define themselves as that. So if you define yourself as that, you have to back it up, right? You can't just say, I'm the man, I'm the man on the court at LA Fitness, and then you get crossed over and your ankles get broken. Like, you have to actually have skill to back it up, right? So, despite its early influence, the Black Panther Party was really just one of many smaller black power organizations. The Sacramento incident, combined with the wave of urban rebellions in the summer of 1967, solidified the, par the party's ideological platform and their political program. When the Black Panther Party, they, when they first published their platform, they added a disclaimer, right? They made sure they added a disclaimer, and I, and I read it, but I'll read it again. To those poor souls who don't know black history, 
the beliefs and desires of the Black Panther Party for self-defense may seem unreasonable. To black people, the 10 points covered are absolutely essential to survival. We have listened to the riot-producing words, quote, these things take time for 400 years. The Black Panther Party knows what black people want and what black people need. Black unity and self-defense will make these demands a reality, end quote. It appears almost, right, if you, you kind of look at it a little bit deeper, it appears that the party is trying to explain itself and is not quite fully confident yet of its growing influence. So it's like, I don't know. This is pretty radical, right, even for us. But we're going to put it out there. We're going to make sure we put a little asterisk disclaimer on there. Hey, just in case you don't like it. Hey, this is why we're doing it. Okay. Following the CORE conference. So CORE, the Congress on Racial Equality. That's what CORE stands for. Um, they're a big civil rights organization. They're an old school civil rights organization, like from the Dr. King days. All right. They had a conference in Oakland uh, in July of, of 1967. And after that, so what they wanted was they, the core, core wanted to involve the Panthers without involving the Panthers. And it was really a slap in the face to the Panthers, right? So they had all these famous civil, quote unquote, quote unquote so-called civil rights leaders, you know, march up there and speak, but they wanted the Panthers to be security, but they didn't let any Panthers speak. They didn't, they didn't let Huey speak and they didn't let Bobby speak. They did not want them to speak, but they wanted them to work security. So that was a slap in the Black Panther Party's face. So after the conference in 67, the Panthers, they began to critique not only the police and white political leaders, but also black political leaders so they could get it too, right? Black folks can get it and white folks can get it. Anybody can get it, right? So they started critiquing black political leaders and black organizations that they viewed as counter-revolutionary. On July 20th, 1967, the Black Panthers introduced their, quote, bootlicker column. Bootlicking referred to black leaders who were subservient to the, quote, white power structure. The Black Panther Party did not only criticize mainstream black political organizations, though. The Panthers also criticized other black nationalist organizations that they thought did not live up to their revolutionary rhetoric. There was a pretty big fight between the Black Panther Party for self-defense and the Black Panther Party of Northern California. All right, so let me let, let me explain this. And I actually explained it in a previous episode. All right, so Huey and Bobby got the idea for the Black Panther symbol and name from a organization that came before them. There was an organization called the Black Panther Party, and it started, I think, in Alabama, and it was a voter registration drive, right? Their goal, the Black Panther Party, was to get people in the South, black folks, signed up to vote, right? And it spread all the country, and there were chapters in California as well to stand up for black people you know, in the face of police brutality, etc. But those organizations weren't, they didn't have the strong ideological uh, stand that the Panthers did as far as armed self-defense. So what Bobby and Huey did was they started their own sub-branch of the Black Panther Party, right? They called it the Black Panther Party for self-defense, which is not the same as the Black Panther Party, right? It's a small difference, but it's a huge difference. Does that make sense? There's a small difference in name only. It's a huge difference in ideology and purpose, right? So Huey and Bobby 
they saw the Black Panther Party as armchair revolutionaries, right? The people that they were a subgroup of, they were like, you know what? Those 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 people are fake, right? Yeah, I know they started the Black Panther the Black Panther name, but we are the real Black Panthers, right? So that's kind of the background with that. I, I want to explain that. I explained it in a, in a previous episode as well. So what did they do? There was a huge rift between the Black Panther Party for self-defense and the Black Panther Party of Northern California. A disagreement about tactics had been brewing for years. Even when Huey and Bobby had worked with the Seoul Student Advisory Council at Merritt College. So this dated way, way back to their college days. This was an old beef. The split only widened as Huey and Bobby's Black Panther Party for self-defense gained in stature. So this is what happened. So this is how you know they're a bunch of haters. You ever been... Oh, I'm not going to explain. I'm, 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 I'm going to explain. Hold on, hold on. I got ahead of myself here. The Revolutionary Action Movement, known as RAM, they accepted credit for two things that the Panthers did, right? So th they're sitting here. So RAM... <sighs> this is going to be confusing for you guys, right? But... The Black Panther Party of Northern California and RAM are the same thing. RAM is a revolutionary action movement. RAM and the Black Panther Party are the same thing. All right. Huey's organization is called the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. All right. So RAM accepted credit for two things the Panthers did, including the infamous, the infamous uh, escort of Betty Shabazz and the heated confrontation between the Panthers and the Oakland Police Department, right? They also claim credit for the Sacramento incident, which they had nothing to do with. The fact that Ram carried unloaded weapons, which was a tactic that Huey despised, it did not help the relationship. So Ram, the Revolutionary Action Movement, they claimed credit for things that Bobby and Huey did. Right? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? So it's like, have you ever been like, you ever done something for like a group project? You ever been in like school, like college or say high school? Let's just say high school. And you have a group project and the teacher's like, all right, guys, there's like four people in the group. And they're like, all right, guys, you're getting a credit for a group that's not individual, right? And no one wants to do anything. No one wants to talk. No one wants to, to contribute. So you end up contributing, right? And you end up doing most of the work because you don't want to fail. And everyone else gets credit, takes credit for what you did, like they did something, but you ended up doing it all. That's exactly what Ram did to the Black Panthers, right? Ram didn't do ish, but they took credit for what Bobby and Huey's Panthers did, right? Does that make sense? All right, so I think I explained it better. David Hilliard, who was one of Huey's childhood friends, he created the phrase Paper Panthers, Paper Panthers, to describe the Ram group. They viewed Ram members as armchair revolutionaries, who did not know the first thing about fighting an actual revolution. Hilliard would soon rise to the rank of chief of staff of the Black Panther Party for self-defense. Huey wrote in his autobiography, Revolutionary Suicide, that he confronted Mr. Roy Ballard of the Black Panther Party of Northern California, a.k.a. Ram, about the rumor that Ballard's group carried unloaded weapons. Ballard admitted that he did not even own any bullets so they were fake, right? They're armchair revolutionaries. They were faking the funk. They're like a lot of these rappers nowadays, faking the funk. Huey recalled the actions of Roy Ballard during the legendary confrontation 
with Oakland police during the Betty Shabazz standoff. So let me explain the Betty Shabazz thing. Betty Shabazz is Malcolm X's widow. She comes to Oakland to do a opening speech for a new cultural center. People reach out to the Black Panthers. They hear about Huey P. Newton and Bobby, and they reach out to them to help secure Mrs. Shabazz's safety. Bobby and eight of his Panthers come. They show up at the airport. Him, Bobby, Huey, and eight other Panthers. They escort Mrs. Shabazz, Shabazz to the cultural center. As she comes back to the airport, when it's over, they get into a heated confrontation with the Oakland Police Department, and Huey Newton pretty much dares the police to shoot him. He said, go ahead and draw that pistol. It's going to be a bloodbath. And then when the cop backs down, he laughs in the cop's face, right? So this is during a standoff he's talking about. So he recalls how Roy Ballard of Ram acted during this. Quote, we found out later about the Paper Panthers. Seeing how bad it might be, Roy Ballard had fled inside. He gave his gun to a woman in the office and told her to put it in her briefcase. Then he hid, trembling. He did not even leave with us. His Paper Panthers were simply another front for Ram. Good for nothing but running a, a mammograph machine and fat-mouthing. If, if Sister Betty had depended on them for security, she would have been stranded, right? So he did not respect Ram or Roy Ballard at all. So remember, this is in the effort. The, Huey and Bobby, they really wanted to, they wanted to cement the fact that the, there was only one Black Panther party, one legitimate Black Panther party, right? Ever heard the song, uh, The Real Slim Shady, right? Please stand up. That's what Huey was saying, right? There's a lot of people calling themselves Black Panthers, but they're really paper panthers, right? The Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, we are the vanguard party. We are the voice of black people. All these other organizations that claim to be black power, that claim to be black panthers are phonies. They're fakes. They don't even ride around with loaded weapons. We are serious. We're the real deal. We're the OGs. They're the fake Crips, right? They're the Crips from like Orlando, Florida. We're the Crips from South Central, right? We're the actually the legitimate Black Panther Party for self-defense, right? A few weeks after his confrontation with Ballard, Huey and a group of Panthers went to visit Ballard again to deliver a very clear message. Quote, we went to San Francisco where the Paper Panthers were having a fish, a fish fry, and we issued an ultimatum. They could merge with us or change their name or be annihilated. When they said they would do none of those things, we waded in. I took on one and hooked them in the jaw. It was a short battle, ending a few, uh, ending a few moments later when somebody fired a shot in the air and people scattered. After that, the Paper Panthers changed their name that's all we got for now y'all the real panther stood up there's only one black panther party for self-defense in california in 1967 they eliminated their rivals there are a lot of fakes a lot of phonies a lot of nerds you know running around california claiming to be black panthers and they weren't there's only one black panther party for self-defense after 67 and that was the that was the organization founded by bobby seal and Huey P. Newton, the organization that stood on the 10-point program, what we want and what we demand. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you guys have a great rest of the weekend. Hang out. 
chill, right? Relax, try to unwind from the from the hectic week. Remember, put God first, put your family first, stay positive, work hard. Love you guys. Thank you for mu- so much for listening. Remember, turn on your post notifications and your and your uh your review and rate us, all right? All that good stuff. Ape out. Here we go. Criminal funk, baby. Mm. Ah. Yeah. Oh, remember, remember, follow us on IG at Ape Academy Podcast, Twitter at A underscore defensive, Facebook, Ape Defensive Solutions, TikTok at Ape Academy Pod. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Thank you for joining us. Hope you learned something today. Ape. y'all we out peace